0: Of God, ...we need to take seriously the fact that it records a lot of prayers and that we can learn about how to pray by looking at the prayers in Scripture. Now this morning, uh, we're going to finish up uh, a section that I started last week. We've already talked about the different kinds of prayer. We've already talked about the operational principles of prayer. And last week, we were talking about the various responses from God when we pray. And one of those responses you recall. Was that there are negative responses. Like when Paul prayed. And asked for the thorn in the flesh. To be removed and God said no. And uh, so consequently. There are those prayers in the Bible. That we need to recognize. Uh, that uh, tell us. That sometimes the Lord says no to us. Christ. His prayer. Let this cup be removed from me the answer from the father was no and the reason for it is he was going to do something that was going to benefit others the apostle paul was being protected against the sin of pride the lord jesus went through suffering and difficulty and uh, he requested before the cross that the lord relieve him of that responsibility and of course we know the answer was no thank the lord that's true Now, there's a second kind of response, child of God. Not only is there a negative response, but the Bible also tells us about delayed response. We spent a considerable amount of time on that last week. And we talked about the fact, especially when you go to the book of Psalms, that there is this teaching that I call providential pace. In other words, God operates on his own timetable. We're creatures of time, and it appears to us sometimes the Lord's not paying any attention. As a matter of fact, in the Psalms, one of the things that is recorded is that the unrighteous, when they are causing problems for the saints, you discover that they end up, with a a uh, delay uh, a different kind of prayer I'm getting mixed up there negative prayers, delayed prayers, different answers to prayer and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because we spent so much time on it last time, but if you go to numbers eleven and if you go to psalm uh, seventy eight you will find that there are uh, delays are different kinds of answers. And I want you to turn with me to Psalm 106 this morning. Psalm 106, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I want you to see that sometimes we get different answers than what we really want. Psalm 106, and I want you to look with me at verse 13. Psalm 106, verse 13. And a following. And you'll note something there. Just to lay the context. You remember child of God. Uh, that uh, the people were complaining. Because all they had was this manna. For food. And so the Lord honored their request. When they asked for meat. And uh, we're told that there was fire judgment on them. Because of their their sinfulness. There was a plague. And now in Psalm 106 and verse 13, we read a little bit more. Notice what it says. Here's a third consequence of the prayer that uh, is is a, a different kind of answer. Notice verse 13. They soon, now the context here is they've gone through the marvelous experience of God and the Red Sea and Pharaoh and all of that. But then in verse 13, they soon forget his works. They waited not on his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God, put God to the test. And he gave them their request. Now, that's not different. But then it says, and this is what makes it different, and he sent leanness to their souls. Now, child of God, sometimes that happens to us. We find that God answers our requests. But all of a sudden, there are times you may have already experienced them that all of a sudden, your soul feels separated from God. Now, we're positionally in his presence. We're part of his family, but we can experience that leanness in our souls as well. So there's negative answers. There's delayed answers. There are different answers. And then one more. And that is positive answers. That's what we normally think of. And I'll give you two examples. We won't turn to the scriptures uh, because I want to move on and deal with one of the prayers this morning. Positive answers, like, for example, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are put in prison overnight. Then they're brought before the Sanhedrin. And as a result, they're told not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. But what do they do? They pray that God will give them boldness. And they got boldness. And then in chapter 12 in the book of Acts, we have another example of positive answers to prayer. All of us remember it. Peter's in jail. The little girl goes to the door after he gets released from prison, and they don't even believe that God has answered the prayer. They are amazed when all of a sudden they realize Peter is free, and he's standing there at the door. So, class, there are four different kinds of answers. Negative answers, uh, delayed answers, different answers, and then positive answers. Everybody with me? Now, let's pray before we go into this session this morning. Father, thank you so much for your word, and I pray that you would give us understanding today today I pray that you would be with me in my weariness this morning and that you would help me to be a mouthpiece for God and that you will instruct us about how we're to conduct our prayer life. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in preparation for the lesson this morning, there's a couple of observations I would make to you. I taught homiletics in college for 35 years training young preacher boys how to go about putting together a sermon and then presenting it to a congregation of people. And as uh, we would go through the various different approaches to what we call expository preaching, exposing what the Bible says in our preaching, we talked about textual preaching, expository uh, textual preaching, uh, and we talk about also uh, the the topical expository preaching. One deals with, let's go to Psalm 106, like we just did, and explain that text in great detail as we have the time for congregations to digest them. Now, that's, that's textual expository preaching. But uh, topical... Is when you go to different passages. And that's what I want to do today. The one that uh, the prayer that we're going to deal with is topical. That means, and a lot of preacher boys think that's the easiest thing to do because you don't have to do a lot of analysis of the text. We can take this verse and this verse, we understand, and this verse we understand. We put together this nice sermon. But many times, When they think they understand the passage and haven't studied it, they misrepresent the text. So one of the things I had to warn them about was if you're going to do anything topical, and that's good sometimes, you must have already studied the context, the historical context in which it's found and the people to whom it's addressed and so on. Am I making sense? So as we look at this sermon this morning on prayer on how to pray watch it for missionaries you won't find a text that deals with everything that you find here in a topical everybody with me it's one thing to study the trees in the forest it's another thing sometimes to step back and look at the forest everybody got what i'm saying there That's what we call call topical preaching. Now, this morning, in order to do that, we're going to go to three different passages. I want you to go with me, first of all, to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 3. And we're going to entertain the question, what does the Bible say about how to pray for missionaries? There's no individual text that covers it all. So we have to approach it topically. Chapter 4, Colossians, verse 3. Here we're going to note that Paul wants us to pray for opportunities. There's my word. To pray for opportunities. Paul calls it open doors. Look at it. Chapter 4, verse 3. Wherewithal with all the other praying you're going to do in verse 2, wherewithal, or at the same time, praying also for us, who Paul and his companions in their missionary efforts around the globe. And, And notice that God would open unto us a door of utterance, a door for the word, to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I am also imbound. Now the text is telling us. Then we're to pray that missionaries will have opportunities. One of the missionaries that I pray for uh, is the views in uh, in uh, uh, in Argentina, and they are praying now about moving to a new location to start another church. They've already started to. They're thinking about starting another church, and they're asking us to pray. So we're praying for that couple, that they will understand what an open door is for them. Uh, Now, I want you to go to one more to show you that this is a prevalent request on the part of the missionary statesman, the Apostle Paul. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. Hold your place in Colossians because we're coming right back to it. But in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 16 and verse 9, Notice what it says. He says to us, For a great door, an effectual, is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Notice that. A great door, an effectual, has been opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. In other words, he is looking for an open door, and he's got one. Now, what that says to us, child of God, is somebody's praying for him. In other words, he has a sensitivity to God, but other people are praying that he'll have that sensitivity and that God will reveal to him where he's supposed to go next. So when on Wednesday nights when you pray for the missionaries, or you in your private prayer time, remember, pray for missionaries. All the other things, listen to me, all the other things that we pray about uh, for the missionaries, somebody's sick and and uh, somebody's got some kind of cancer or uh, whatever. Those things are appropriate and good, and we should pray for those things. But we must not neglect the emphases that are given to us in the Scripture about how to pray for missionaries. Everybody with me? Now, uh, I'll I'll tell you one other passage, and I'm not going to turn to it because of time this morning, but in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 2, verse 3, uh, 12 and 13, 2 Corinthians, chapter 2, 12 and 13, you'll note that Paul says, there's a door open for me. But his spirit wouldn't let him do it. May I make an observation? If a preacher's worth his salt, he's going to get invitations here in the United States to go to different pra- places, uh, either to pastor church, teaching a school, some, uh, some other kind of parachurch, organizational ministry, whatever it is. Now, on one particular occasion, i make this point so that we know that open doors are not necessarily the open door for us at any given time. I was teaching at Appalachian Bible College in West Virginia. I graduated from Southeastern, and I, I graduated from Miami. Well, all three of them wanted me to... To teach there at their school. There are three open doors, but only one of them can be the will of God. Amen? And so we need to uh, watch that and recognize that just because a ministry presents itself, it doesn't mean that's what we ought to do. And so we ought to pray for missionaries like the Depews. Is this city they're looking at? If it's an open door, that's fine. If it's the open door from God, and we need to pray that they will know. Is that making sense? You now I was preaching doing a Bible conference in Iowa. And it was on the radio, and it happened to be Sunday morning. I have no idea what I was preaching on, but there was a couple traveling from Arkansas going back to some other place in Iowa, where it's the state I was in at the time. And he was a preacher with his tail between his legs, like a whip pup. He's going back home. And the reason for it is people were telling him, this is literally the truth, they were telling him, you can't preach, you have no business trying to start a church in Arkansas, just go back home. And he finally was convinced that they were right. I'm preaching on the radio, and I don't know this guy's name. I don't remember. And I was preaching on the radio. He was listening to the message, turned the car, and came to the church and was there with his wife by the time we ended the service. We sat on the back pew and talked. He was convinced... God had given him an open door, but people had convinced him he ought to go home. I don't know what I said to him. I know it's of God because it couldn't have been of me. I never met the man before. He turned that car around, and he went back to Arkansas. Now, I was the president of the Southeastern years later, and the phone rings, and he says, Dr. Talley, you don't remember me, but I remember you. Long story short, I preached the dedication at their new church building in Arkansas because he went back and obeyed God through the open door. Amen? That's how we have to pray for missionaries, that there will be opportunities. The second one is found in Colossians chapter 4, and I want you to look with me at it at verse 4, Colossians chapter 4, And uh, verse 4, notice what the text says. He says, I want you to wherewithal, I want you to pray for us also, that God will give us an open door. That's verse 3. First part of verse 4, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. There's two concepts there. Grammatically, you could probably think they all go together and that they're the same. But really, they're distinct words. I want you to see them. Notice he says, that I might make it, that is the gospel, the mystery of Christ from verse 3, that I might make it manifest. Now, the Greek word there is phonero. It means to reveal. God reveals himself through prophecy, uh, through the word, and so on. And the word, therefore, uh, is a word that is God-speaking. So clarity is the word that I use here. Pray that missionaries will have clarity in their thinking. One involves the reliability of the text, that God will help them to uh, understand that what they hear this missionary saying is truth. Not only they' make it clear, but it's reliable. Clarity and reliability. Understandable and reliable. Making sense? That's how we're to pray uh, for missionaries. Now, uh, I want you to go with me to a passage where this word uh, is used, this word that's translated manifest in the verse 4. I want you to go with me to one other passage. Romans one nineteen. Romans 19. I want you to see something. It's that same word how God reveals himself, not only through the preaching of the apostles, but he reveals himself in nature. Notice Romans 1.19. Because that which may be known of God is what? Manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. Now, what that means is God is the creator. And when men look at creation... They ought to be able to say, there's a God. He bears witness to his existence through his creation. When I was a young fellow before I was ever saved, back in Richmond, Virginia, I walked down the aisle in our Baptist church when I was 12 years old and said I wanted to join the church. I was a Christian and I was baptized at 12. At age 15, I walked the aisle again. And this time, I was telling the pastor, God's called me to preach. And then finally, after I got saved, <laughs> I became a Christian and God used me to preach. But I wasn't even saved yet and was saying I was being called of God. Now, how did all that start? I used to live on Northside in Richmond, Virginia, on Firkwin Lane. And next door to our house was this great, big, empty lot. And in the evenings, my mom would let me stay out, and I'd play army and all that kind of thing. And I just had a good time playing out there in this uh, vacant lot in the woods. But there came a time when the foliage was gone, and it's evening I was watching the sun go down. And all of a sudden, I said, God I know you're out there. This sun is not here just for no reason. It exists because there's a creator. God, let me know you. And that was the beginning of God calling me. But how did it come? It came through nature. God was very witness. Through nature. He also does it with the word. I'll give you a passage. Romans 16 in verse 26. He teaches us through the word. And he bears witness. So he witnesses to the validity of understanding his existence. Through nature. Through the word. And even through our pastor. As he ministers. He makes it clear. And God is... uh, Uh, witnessing through him and touches our heart through the preaching of pastor's word. Everybody with me? So we have a second way we're supposed to pray. Lord, give us an open door. And secondly, Lord, help us to make it clear and uh, work through us in such a way that people realize this is truth. Bear witness to the word. Now, there's a third one. I went to see it, and the word that I use is adaptability. The first word, how do I pray for missionaries? For opportunities. How do I pray for missionaries? For clarity in thinking as they present it uh, to others. Make it it clear. But there is also in chapter 4 and verse 4, the B part of the verse, a second concept, adaptability. Notice what the verse says that I might make it manifest, that's clear and understandable, as I ought to speak, as I am behooved to speak, as I'm obligated to speak, as I ought to speak on any given particular situation. In other words, when I present the gospel to individuals, they have different experiences, different backgrounds, different issues in their life, and I need to know what some of those are in order to present the message in a way that's adaptable to their circumstances. Now, let me uh, share something with you. I was on a plane to Portland, Oregon. I was going out there to preach a Bible conference, and uh, there was a little girl on the, the, little girl, it was a college student, on the plane, she happened to be sitting next to me. We got to talking And I I was doing some Bible study or reading, whatever, and she noticed it. So we struck up a conversation. We started talking about God. She's a Christian scientist. Now, how am I going to witness to this little girl all the way to Portland, Oregon? And we're talking about God. I had to listen to her so I would know how I ought to speak. Look at the Next verse, he says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. That's adaptability. So as I listened to her, I didn't challenge her uh, in a in a uh, confrontational way, she said, "Well, God is spirit. Christ can't be God man uh, because God is spirit." And started listening to that. And as time went on, she began to listen to what I was saying. Why I was speaking, as the verse says, with grace. Now listen to me. The word grace. We translate that. Uh, in all kinds of ways, undeserved mercy, all of, and they're all correct. But if you go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, you ought to write it down. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we find mercy and grace to what? Help in time of need. Grace is God's help when you need it. By grace, you are saved. How? You are saved by God's help when you need it. We certainly need it to get saved. Amen? So that's the way I'm supposed to speak. I'm to talk to that little gal who doesn't know the Lord as, as a, a person who needs help. I want to help her, and it comes through in my conversation and witness to her. And the text says also, let it be seasoned with salt presenting it in a way that is acceptable to her. Notice, with with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Make sense? So the text is saying to us, how am I to pray for missionaries? Pray that they'll have opportunities. Open door. Pray for their clarity as they speak. They'll make it manifest, make it clear, and God will work through them and share with them that this is truth. And then third, adaptability, that we will adjust the message as we graciously listen to the other person and let them understand we really care. We're not confronting them, speaking ill of them, but we are interested in helping them, and that will come through in the way we talk. Now, that's adaptability. Now, there's the third one I want you to see. Notice, when you go to chapter 4, or, or Ephesians chapter 6, hold your place in, um, in Colossians, because we're going to come back to it. No, we're not. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Can you tell I'm weary this morning? <laughs> I'm sorry. We have two of our granddaughters, one from California and one from Virginia, here living with us the last few days because our youngest granddaughter just graduated from high school yesterday. And so, grandpa's weary. (laughs) Uh, But notice, in Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 19 and 20, what does Paul pray? That we will pray. Verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. But, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly. Paul had to pray, God, give me boldness. You know, that's an encouragement to me. It ought to be to all of us. If the apostle Paul had to pray for boldness, then I don't need to be intimidated by the fact that sometimes I'm not as bold as I ought to be in my witness. My point here, tenacity. We ought to pray that the missionaries will have tenacity. They will speak boldly uh, before the Lord. I remember my first sermon I ever preached down in Miami, Florida. I was asked to go to the Miami Rescue Mission. Oh, my. I preached about 20 minutes, and I preached from Genesis to Revelation. Everything I knew had to go into that sermon. I'd never make it for 20 minutes. But a guy got saved. But my first sermon, I was scared to death. Now I want to tell you another little story. We're talking about tenacity here. Boldness on the part of our missionaries. One of the things I discovered as I worked on a mission board, and I was chair of the personnel committee, one of the things that was confirmed in my thinking was kids coming out of Bible college think they've got the world by the tail and got all the answers. They go show the preacher how to do it. And the bottom line is, child of God, sometimes they're scared to death to witness. They'll teach. They'll do whatever but witnessing. I ask them about it in the committee. Here they want us to pay $45,000 or whatever uh, to send them halfway around the world. When was the last time you talked to someone about the Lord? Well, it's a little bit of a problem. I have difficulty with that sometimes. Why should we send them to another place in the world if they haven't learned tenacity that comes from... I'm not trying to be mean. That's all of us, isn't it? We struggle with telling other people about the Lord. When I was in Dayton, Ohio, I was trying to convert the whole world as pastor of a church there. And I was witnessing all the time tenacity, boldness. And uh, people started getting saved. And in the first three years of that ministry, we baptized about 35 brand new people and brought them into the church. And the pastors started to ask me about it. How is it all these people getting saved on your ministry? You, you've got the gift of evangelism. You've got to be kidding I have to witness to 25 people normally before I see any kind of positive results. That's not the gift of evangelism. I said, the different guys, the difference between me and some of you, and I wouldn't try to be mean, is I witness and you don't. And that's the way it is with the people at our church and other churches in this community, the people that are listening to us on the radio whatever. Church people have a hard time with boldness in their presentation of the gospel. Guess what? So do the missionaries. So how are we supposed to pray? Pray that they will have tenacity to be able to tell others about the Lord. Now there's a fifth way we ought to pray for missionaries. Go with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. It's a tremendous text. Everybody there? I hear the pages turning. That's good. what I want you to do. Notice verse 1. 2 Thessalonians 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Pray for the missionary. Why? That the word of the Lord um, may be, have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Now, the word there in the Greek text is let it run. Lord, let the gospel run. And the New American Standard, it says spread rapidly. Okay. And that's what we want to happen. Now, if that's what we want to happen, the text says, then pray that way for our missionaries wherever they are. Pray that way for our pastors here at Glen Iris Baptist Church and whoever else is listening on radio or television. Let them recognize that we're praying for them for productivity. There's your word adaptability, opportunities, clarity, adaptability, now productivity. Lord, that the word will spread rapidly. When I was a chaplain, my first duty station in the Army was at Fort Gordon, Georgia. Now, we had a regular service in the morning, and uh, the Catholics had one service. We had a general protestant service, and so on. Nobody used the chapels in the evening. And I wanted to win some people to Christ. So on Sunday afternoons when nobody else was using the chapel, I would go out into the barracks. I'd rouse those eyes. Come on, chaplain. What are you doing here? I want you to come to church. Come to the chapel tonight at 5 o'clock. And I'd tell them we're going to have a Christian film, and we're going to have all kinds of refreshments. Come on. And, folks, we filled the chapel. Three, four hundred guys that uh, we could share the gospel with. As a result of that, we saw 109 conversions to Christ. Now, whether or not they were all actually saved, but they made their profession. How does that happen? because we were praying, my wife and I were praying, other people were praying for us, and it'll happen with the missionaries. When we pray, that the word will spread rapidly. There will be productivity. I had a little girl in my church in Dayton. This is the first time and only time this ever happened. Donna Frame was her name. She... uh, was the only daughter, the only child of a young couple that were both alcoholics. She came to me, what am I supposed to do? She had been converted at our church and she loved the Lord and she wanted to help mom and dad. So we got her in contact with Alcatine, which is an organization to help teenagers with alcoholic parents. And uh, as a result of that. Donna's mother became a Christian. As a result of that, Don, her dad, months later, became a Christian. Now, the interesting thing about all of this is that Donna was a, uh, uh, Mary, Donna's mother, was a barmaid. And her best friend was a barmaid at this bar. Her name was Charlotte. Charlotte had seven daughters. One day I went to see Charlotte after Mary had talked about the Lord and all that. And after I presented the gospel, we got down on our knees in the living room on the the sofa. All seven daughters are watching Mama pray and ask Christ to be her Savior. And as time went on, all seven daughters, Became Christians. It's an amazing story. Pastors, that doesn't happen often. (laughs) It's the only time it's ever happened to me. But then, Sonny, the estranged husband of Charlotte, starts hearing all this about her daughter's getting saved, Mama getting saved, Mary's getting saved, Don got saved. He comes, and he got saved. He became a leader in the church where it was. As far as I know, last I heard, Sunday's still working in the church. Now, how did that start? That started when a little teenage girl came and said, Pastor, help me to deal with my alcoholic parents. Amen? Now, that's productivity. Now, how does that happen? That because I'm a, uh, have the gift of evangelism or awesome? No. People were praying for me and people got saved through the ministry of the word. That's simple. Okay, how do I pray for missionaries? Pray for open doors, opportunity, clarity, understanding, adaptability, tenacity, boldness in their preaching, and productivity, that the word will spread rapidly as people come to know the Lord. Now, folks, there's one more, and I want you to look at 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3 and verse 2. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3 and verse 2. I'm going to read verse 1 again. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that, another purpose clause, that we may deliver with Unreasonable, be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Security. And if there was ever a time we need to pray for missionaries to be delivered from unprincipled men on the field, it's now the statistics that would indicate the most hated religion in the world today is Christianity. You know the news. Christians are being beheaded over in the Middle East. Christians who are missionaries in that part of the world and everywhere else, we need to pray for them that they will have security. One of my former students, Tim Davis from West Virginia, Married a girl, Lynn, from North Carolina. And there now, he's heading up a mission in China that's using English as a second language uh, to share with uh, people the gospel. Now, here's my point. Tim and Lynn came to Birmingham. He was speaking at Briarwood at one of their missions conferences. And he took Betty and I out to, to lunch. He told me this story. He said, I know the ambassador from China to the United States. So I went up and we visited and took them out to lunch, whatever they did. And the ambassador opened up to him and said, Mr. Davis, we know what you are doing in China. And then he said said this. And as long as you don't embarrass us. We're not going to bother you. There's a hidden threat there. Everybody get it? So we need to pray for Tim and Lynn. That's the way I pray for them. They're on my prayer list. I pray for them specifically for security. Now. Now. The damage to other Christians comes in different ways, missionaries and Christian leaders. Let me share one with you real quick. I only got a couple of minutes. When I was president at Southeastern Bible College, I don't know for sure who started the rumor, but I've got a pretty good idea. It started a rumor that I had been unfaithful to my wife and that she was going to divorce me. Why they would do that, I don't know. It became so serious. People were calling on the phone and wanting to know if it was true. My response to you, child of God, is this. We have got to protect our missionaries. In that particular case, I had to call in all the faculty and the student body and say, listen. Now, I don't know who started that rumor. I told them, I think I know, but I don't know for sure. But it isn't true. As a matter of fact, my wife was there with me on the platform. I said, as a matter of fact, my wife's already told me that if I were ever unfaithful to her, she was going to kill me. Not divorce me. She was going to kill me. And she was going to be like Tammy Faye. You remember Tammy Faye? She was going to go to jail, be a model prisoner, get out early, and become a Christian superstar going all over the country talking about how God had forgiven her. Now, well, why did somebody start a rumor? They wanted to hurt the ministry of the college and my ministry as well. Now, missionaries all over the world are facing that kind of thing. We need to pray for a child of God and uh, ask the Lord to protect them. Now, How am I going to pray for missionaries? I want you to notice, first, that they'll have an open door. Second, that they'll be able to make the message clear. Third, they will be able to adapt it to individual needs. Fourth, they will have tenacity, not only be faithful in their witness, but bold in their witness, and in productivity, that the word will spread rapidly. New churches will be started and more people will be available to win others to Christ. Productivity. And finally, security. Pray that God will enable them to be protected from all the different dangers that are out there in the world today. I want to say one more thing to you. My wife and I pray for missionaries every day, we get their email prayer letters and so many of them send us a new one every week and so I'm praying for about 40 missionaries currently I'm not trying to tell you that I'm bragging, I love missionaries and I love God's men and women that are preaching the word and I want to pray for them and this is the way I pray why? because that's the way the Bible tells me how to pray for them amen all right let's pray together father thank you so much for your word i'll pray lord that you will work through your word and the stammering of this preacher this morning and that people will begin to practice the biblical approach to praying for missionaries and pastors in jesus name amen